from Green Biz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from Green Biz events. I'm Joel McCower. First thing you need to do is you map the SDGs against your business. Where are the risks? I think in the US, probably the best example is the 2025 strategy of Dow Chemical that was published, I think, two years ago. Was truly based on the SDGs and all its mappings. First, that was Peter Bakker, president SDGs and CEO of the World risks. Business Council in for US, Sustainable Development. He sat down with Tim Moen, CEO of, of the Chemical Global Reporting Initiative, and Green ago, Biz editorial director Heather Clancy at Green Biz 19 in First Phoenix, Arizona. Is, they discussed the how to integrate the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals into everyday business strategy. Let's listen in. Tim, the, the first question I have for you is, is why is it so urgent? Why is this conversation, why is it two, 2019 such an important year for the SDGs and, and really make, getting, it, getting it right, getting, getting this, this path accelerating in the right direction? Well, yeah, great question. Um, when you think about the SDGs, I think it's important to sort of take a step back and realized that it was only in 2015 yep. that the world came together and all the countries in the world unanimously approved these global goals. That's less than four years ago. And so, but looking at the goals themselves, they come with a deadline. And that deadline is 2030. And if you do the math on that, that's just over 4,000 days. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the 17 goals and the 169 targets, there is no time to waste. So this year at the UN General Assembly Week, the UN's gonna do a progress report to see how companies, and more importantly, nation states, have been progressing towards accomplishment of these all important goals. So the, the clock is ticking, time is running out, and business is very much a part of the agenda. So why is it important for, for us to get the sustainability and not to be just checking this off? I mean, I, I've seen some, I've heard some great, great um, plans and put in place. And it seems to me now that what's happening is that the teams are really pulling this into, like I said, the core of the business. Why is, again, why is this such an important priority for, for your, your council? Well, I think for any business, there, there's four reasons to engage with the SDGs, right? There's massive opportunities that will be created because all the systems in the world will transform. Mm -hmm. So new business models, new innovation, there's plenty of value to be created. And I guess the best source in the world is the Better Business, Better World Report, uh, which is now about a year and a half old, showing there's $12 trillion of value at stake, 380 million jobs to be created. So opportunity is one. I think the second one is the cost of inaction is becoming ever clearer. You know, more than $60 billion of damages in recent natural events in this country alone. Uh, risk management tools are being there. I think the third reason is, and that's, that's going to be an increasingly more important one, is the social contract of businesses under pressure. The cohesion in society, we all point at the yellow vests in France, but it's now a growing uh, feeling that the system is no longer serving the many. Mm -hmm. And I think the fourth one, and it's good to hear Joel just say that the, the summit this morning was such a success, the access to cheap capital will be the one that will drive scale. So there's now plenty of examples of companies who have better ESG performance, better sustainability performance, that attract a lower cost of capital. So those are the four reasons. Who's what, what stakeholders are really, I mean, we're talking about the investment community, right? There seems to be a disconnect 
there's some great leadership happening on the institutional investment front. But the boardrooms don't, aren't quite listening in, in the right way maybe yet. I mean, are we, are, where's the disconnect? Who's, and where, where are we going to get the, the pressure to, to really bear, bear in the right direction? Well, I think Joel just mentioned this, right? We are seeing the mainstreaming of environmental, social, and governance information. We at GRI, you know, as the leading global standard for ESG disclosure, are seeing a pull that was never there before. I mean, let's face it, a lot of us started our career as, as kind of activists, you know, the tree huggers in the corporate world, if you will, and now we're seeing, you know, sort of the, the mainstream investors asking for this information. We just saw a study where 82% um, of mainstream investors, not SRI, socially responsible investors, are now using this information to make decisions. So I think that crossover is happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who else is watching? Well, I, th I think 2019, I mean, it's, it's sad in the documentation of Greenbiz as well, is a pivotal year. Uh, I think the, the stock taking in the UN this year will be a massive change of the conversation. So in July, high-level political forum in New York, 51 countries will come up with stock taking of what is the progress we're making. The World Benchmark Alliance will come out in 2019 for the first time. We'll publish 20 benchmarks. Many of the companies in the room, you may be aware, you may not be aware, will be benchmarked against uh, what is the progress we're all making towards these SDGs. Because like Tim says, you know, 4,000 4, days could still sound like a lot, but it's 11 years. It's your next strategy cycle that is going to determine whether your company, your sector, your country is en route to deliver this. So I think the pressure will go up. The external scrutiny of what your company is doing will go up. And you know, people who come to a meeting like this, you will be the voice inside the company to translate that into action and strategy. If I could just build on that point a little bit. I mean, what Peter's saying is really important because the SDGs are still quite new. They're about three years old. But corporate responsibility, much older than that. So you, you have this kind of mapping exercise that has to go on within companies. And with 17 goals and 169 targets, it's not trivial. No. And then you add this other layer about nation states, because the SDGs really were, frankly, written for nation states. And it becomes even more complex. At GRI, we did a project with the government of Colombia, where we actually uh, connected the business reporting to the, the country reporting, and that was actually uh, presented at the last high-level political forum. So we expect to see more and more business and national cooperation. Which companies are demonstrating leadership? People always want to say, uh, look at what they're doing. I think there's, there's a whole bunch of companies I, I can list, and I'll, I'll give you a few. So I think the first thing you need to do is you map the SDGs against your business. Where are the risks? I think. In the US, probably the best example is the 2025 strategy of Dow Chemical that was published, I think, two years ago, was truly based on the SDGs and all its mappings. I think the second thing you need to do is set targets. Um, Enel in Italy, Telefonica in Spain are by far the best examples that we have seen globally. I think the mapping that Microsoft did in some of their reporting against the SDGs uh, is amongst the leading Mm -hmm. companies that, that, that I've seen operate. In terms of business strategies, I think IKEA is the model to look at. You know, they started with moving from traditional light bulbs to LED, then from meatballs to veggie balls. Now they're going. 
which is if you're in the IKEA model, quite a revolution, you know, we're not going to sell you the furniture, we're going to lease it to you and you bring it back and right. then we'll refurbish it because the model needs to go circular. So there's these really radical transformations mm -hmm. and, and different stages has different examples, but there's, there's a growing amount of companies to look at. I think the first thing you have to look at is, is there's actually a fairly low rate of companies that are linking their progress to the SDGs right now. KPMG right. estimated at under 40% mm. in 2017. That number is coming up fast. And there are a few leaders. We work with the UN Global Compact on something called the Corporate Action Group, uh, which is leading companies that have come together to help businesses not only map their progress against the SDGs, but to do more, to dig deeper. And we typically don't name companies, but I knew you were going to ask the question. Um, <laughs> I actually on. agree with you on NL, and I think it's a wonderful example. I would add to your list Danone, uh, who's done a fantastic job. And, and here in the US, Visa has also done a wonderful mm. job. So you mentioned, you, you mentioned mapping before, right? And a lot of organizations are also working through the science-based targets yeah. exercise, and in some cases, context-based. How can they maybe be doing that? This, you know, how can they use that exercise as a way to get for, more forward on, on the SDGs? Is, that, is, there, is there a linkage there that we can, can we start promoting? <laughs> Anyone? So, so the, the context-based argument is a, is a, is a good one, mm -hmm. um, but it has its limitations, right? right. So, so as we look at the science-based targets, which is probably the best known of the context-based movement, uh, it applies to climate, and it makes a lot of sense. So you get an allocation as a company, and that's what you should do to reduce climate or keep climate at uh, no more than two degrees C. It kind of breaks down as you go into the human rights. You know, what's the appropriate allocation for child labor, for work hours, and those kinds of things. And the SDGs are quite broad. So I, I would caution about, you know, using, overusing it uh, with regard to the SDGs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I look at that with a bit of distance, I think one of the big tricks for the community that's in the room is we, we are still at risk of having too many frameworks, too many targets, right. too many standards, too many everythings. So we're kind of driving each other kind of silly with it. And I love science-based targets for specific items. You know, in climate, it has made a, a real breakthrough. I think the same will happen in the food and ag system with the recent launch of the Eat Lancet report. The, the science targets will change that industry or that system faster than anything. But you cannot use science-based targets for everything because they're quite specific for certain elements, and that's not the point of the SDGs. The SDGs is really to think holistically what are all the things we want in the future uh, to, to happen, and how do we think about the interdependencies. So I think you know, different horses, different courses, I think is what you say in English, but you know, sometimes science-based targets may be the answer, but, but do not forget this holistic nature that the SDGs try to, to impose on us. Well, clearly, I mean, 17 things, 169, I mean, it's, it's, it's daunting. Um, is there a particular momentum behind certain ones of the SDGs, or is it just really dependent on the industry? I'm just curious if there's, you know, seems to be traction, and maybe we should be using that as an example to get people thinking about it more holistically, like you say. Well, well clearly 12.6, which requires corporate reporting, is the best one. <laughs> um, so, um, <laughs> yeah. 
can't help myself. He had to do it. Yeah. Come on. It's, it's really hard to pick favorites, right? It, it, I, but actually, I'm not even saying favorites. I'm just saying, is there like a, a certain set of them that seem to have more attention than others? Maybe? Uh, so I think the disclaimer is that you, you shouldn't even ask the question because the point is, it's a holistic thing. We need to manage the interdependencies. But what you will see this year, if you look at the UN high-level panel forum in, in, in July, if you look at the SDG meetings that are the, the big global forum for the September UNGA week, uh, number eight will get a lot of attention this year, uh, decent work. The inequality, number 10, will get deep because the social cohesion in yeah. societies around the world is really under pressure. That will make it on the political agenda. Obviously, with the Secretary General's Climate Summit, number 13, climate action, will continue to, to come to the fore. And for the companies who play in the food or the ag system, number two and 12 will dominate this year because Eat Lancet just released a month ago with the targets for the food system. Uh, FOLU coming up with uh, the land use targets later in, in April this year. That's gonna really change the SDG two and 12 conversation for those sectors. Just building on what Peter said a little bit, and you know, in all seriousness, I think number 10 in terms of reducing income inequality is a linchpin item. I mentioned the fact that the, um, the global goals were ratified unanimously in 2015, as was the Paris Climate Agreement in 2015. I would question whether either one of those would have happened today. Uh, so we're seeing a rise in populism around the world that I think is largely being driven by income inequality and mass migration around the world. And these, these mega trends are sort of confounding the progress towards the global goals. So that one alone, I think, has an outsized influence on achieving the overall set. Great. I'd love to take a question from the sidebar from my, my colleague, John. Your voice challenged colleague, John, yeah. <laughs> Your voice, my so, voice challenged colleague. Yeah. So um, the SDGs seem to be, I mean, we've got a few different questions, but I'll try and pull them together. The SDGs seem to be adopted much more outside of the United States than inside, partly because we have a government that doesn't really have any requirement that companies act within the SDGs. What's your advice for a room full of mainly North American uh, companies and sustainability professionals as to how to bring this forward faster within their companies. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, was, I was listening to the first part of Joel's speech um, where he said, who would have thought moments? I was on this same stage two years ago and I had a big row with Joel afterwards <laughs> because two years ago in the program for Greenpeace, the SDGs were not mentioned, which as somebody who comes from outside of, of North America, clearly by my accent, I thought was an omission in polite words. Um, <laughs> I, I, I kind of paid a price for that, I guess, by being in the first plenary panel talking about the integrating SDGs in core business. But that's the shift. We, we had a big meeting yesterday with some 50 companies, and we, we did a survey, how many of you have talked about the SDGs or integrated SDGs in strategic conversation with your boards? Uh, the answer was all of them. So I think the idea that SDGs are not part of the North American conversation was very true two years ago. I think it's changed so quick now that this will become, if your company is not yet involved in this conversation, if it's not yet having a view, if soon it will not be able to show progress or will drop right down in the rankings of the world 
benchmark alliance, you're going to be out of this conversation. So I think it's essential for all of you to be in, but I begin to feel you are. So I agree. You have to get ahead of this. It's clearly coming. And um, one little thing to add on to what Peter said is we've been working actually with the World Business Council uh, on some tools that companies can use. The first one was the Compass we did a few years ago that companies can map what they're doing in their CSR programs to the global goals. And then we worked with UNGC on a couple of other documents. The analysis, which for each one of the 169 targets, you have a list of actions. So not just mapping, but what you can do to really push the envelope towards achievement of the global goals. And the third one that just came out at the high-level political forum last year was the practical guide. So how to tie it all together from prioritization, integration and action, and finally reporting. So those three documents are now widely available, and we're still working on that corporate action group this year to up the level of quality of reporting and reporting on progress against the goals. I, I, since you're listing resources, the one thing you must download from the internet, you, you can find it if you type it, is called the Good Life Goals. Because the big problem with SDGs in my mind is, you know, all of us in the sustainability space kind of understand what it is, and we may even occasionally have the time to read up on what it all means. But the people outside of rooms like this, they have no clue what the SDGs are or what they as individuals can contribute. So a group of organizations has put together what is called the Good Life Goals, which are basically 17 postcards with five actions for each goal that every individual can actually implement, that you can talk to your kids at the kitchen table about. It's kind of cool, good life goals. Right, and the other thing, I mean, to go back to, you don't want to, you don't want to tie it too closely to any particular thing or force fit things that don't work, but how can the CSOs, the Chief Sustainability Officers, and the teams in this room build on the goodwill that they've already created? Like, any other advice on how they can build on that goodwill in order to bring this into the boardroom, into the executive suites where this really needs to be the conversation? Like, what advice, other advice would you have? I think the SDGs actually create an opportunity to really get more attention. I mean, I, I worked on my first CSR report, we called it the environmental report for Intel, I know they're here somewhere, in 1995. <laughs> right. 95, right? So, so long before we ever heard of the SDGs. But now that we have the entire population of the world focused on these goals, that whole history of progress, I think, can be elevated to the C-suite and to the boardroom, because that's the conversation that's happening around the world. Yeah, I think my advice is, you know, slightly opposite, but probably saying the same is, um, don't start the conversation with your board on the SDGs as some external UN-designed framework because it, it's a bit of a jump for people who never think about these things. Translate it into what is material for your business, what opportunities and or risks does it protect you or, or allow you to operate. Translate it all in a business language and, and realize, and that's I think for a room like this important, everything you've done in CSR or in sustainability, whatever name you've put on it to date, is part of the SDGs because it's an all-encompassing framework. So don't think of this or don't let your audience think that it's another framework on top of everything else. Exactly. It's the one thing that brings it together. Yeah. Great. And that seems like a great place to leave <laughs> this conversation. I really thank both of you for your thoughts and for your thoughtfulness. Um, thank you very much. Please thank our panelists.
You've been listening to Peter Bonker, Tim Moen, and Heather Clancy talk about the importance of prioritizing and investing in the global goals at the Green Biz 19 conference in Phoenix, Arizona. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash center stage. And while you're there, tune into Green Biz 350, our weekly podcast covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. For all of us here at Green Biz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening. <laughs>